Hey there, welcome to ATL and 29 of Peach Troops podcast where we look at the NBA from the starting point of Atlanta. Uh, I guess tonight the starting point is Madison Square Garden. Uh, what are your initial thoughts on the Hawks pulling out a pretty big comeback? Yeah, this game was off the rails. Uh, <laughs> I mean, in the second quarter, it looked like, it looked not exactly like, but it looked a lot like the Raptors game where, Man, they just couldn't get kind of their spacing worked out, and 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 maybe it was a little bit of uh, fan trauma from the Raptors game. You know, and Trey had ten turnovers because I remember one time looking like at the box score, like they must have seven or eight turnovers. They only had three, but but they felt like seven or eight because they were feeding the Knicks energy and giving the Knicks some easy buckets and things like that. But you know, it's it's kind of interesting to me because I've been getting a lot of questions about. Like is Nate part of the issue when things aren't going well? And I finally teed up some thoughts during halftime, put them out on Twitter. But then Nate went made an adjustment in this game and put them in a matchup zone. It wasn't <laughs> wasn't just a zone. Very important. It wasn't just a zone. Right. It was a matchup matchup zone. And I, if anyone noticed, Mike uh, Longabardi was like on his feet for much of the last like two and a half quarters, kind of calling out uh, kind of the way the matchup execution works. So. I mean, it was funny to like, you know, the same game where I finally put out some of my thoughts on Nate, the kind of coach he is and how he fits, <laughs> that it's one of the more prominent games where the coaching staff really put a, had a fingerprint, you know, on this outcome. So there's a, there's a lot there, but that that's what kind of stays with me the most was just that it seemed like Nate calmed him down, and that's always his approach, right, and got them to kind of focus on the basics, but then gave them a solution, you know, going to that matchup zone that kind of grounded their play the rest of the time. And in that matchup zone kind of freed up DeJounte to do his thing where he could kind of attack ball handlers in his area. And that, that really created some positive energy for the team too. So it was a fun, a fun kind of arc of the game to kind of watch, you know, swing so, so wildly. Um, but it was, it was interesting to see the coaching staff have a, an imprint. It's interesting to see DeJounte play such a long stretch without trade. We could talk about that a little bit too, but those, those are the things that kind of jump out at me. Yeah, they gave they gave you no leeway whatsoever because you were like, I- I'm going to share my thoughts at halftime, and this was like around the end of the first quarter, and like right. that's when the change came, like right away. You didn't even like get it onto a, I don't want to say onto paper because it's in the ether somewhere, but uh, you you didn't even get the tweets out, and they had already kind of made that <laughs> adjustment. Yeah, I mean, I, I to me that what I put out is largely true. Like Nate is when things aren't going well, it's going to be calm down, focus on the basics, focus on the fundamentals, do your job, focus on doing your job. He's not going to be like a Nick Nurse type that's putting him in a triangle and two for eight possessions and then switching them back to a, a box and one, then back to man to man in short shot clocks. It, you know, it's never going to kind of be. See, like they did that do now. that once tonight, didn't they? Like they. Something, some, some deflection or something, and then you know they got late in the shot clock, and they kind of and they scr- they scramble back to a man to man, right? Yeah, they did do that one time. Um, but but I mean, Nick Nurse will change it up every bit. I mean, because I'm mean, I'm exaggerating yeah. a little bit, but I, I'm just I'm choosing a coach that's on the other end of the spectrum on purpose, you know. But I I, I was I thought it was important for you to mention like the the game the Hawks won versus the Sixers in the playoffs two years ago. That doesn't happen if the Nate doesn't maintain calm with his team and kind of keep them focused and encourage them to be focused. So I stylistically like a coach who will mix up schemes and X's and O's 
because that appeals to the way I watch a game. That's not, it's not fair for me to judge Nate good or bad through the prism, like through which I like to watch a game. Lots of coaches have Nate's approach and have had success with it, you know? And so I wanted to be sure that I can say, Hey, this is what I, the watching experience I enjoy, but that's a separate thing from that. And, and for sure tonight, a key was, you know, this is not, this doesn't have to be the Raptors game all over again. We can steady ourselves, find our footing, stay calm, stay focused. And that was in my mind, I would think just as big of a deal as getting into the matchup zone, which which was a, a solution that a coach came up with that I called a a, a guy who's not a solutions coach. So, uh, so, I, I, so differentiate I for a moment the matchup zone versus zone. What what are you looking for when you when you see a matchup zone? What's what's your telltale sign that that's what they're doing? You you still have to account for a man for sure. In a in a traditional zone, not matchup, you're really covering an area of the floor. I think I think a lot of coaches like matchup for that reason because you're still executing to a large degree man principles, um, um, but you're not doing uh, you know switching decisions. You're taking the guy you know, closest to you in your area and then communicating. So like a matchup zone requires heavy communication, much more so than in the zone. Not, not that a zone is a non-communication kind of scheme, but a lot of the things that coaches want their team to do when they need to kind of double down on their fundamentals, the matchup zone gives you that chance. Communicate, stay connected, stay focused, work together. Uh, and then there are times when uh, when the offense will still go to a high screen and roll, the center will decide, I'm going to go up there and let someone else replace me or not. And and there's still some decision-making, and, and it requires a lot of engagement and communication. So from a kind of a cerebral perspective, it calls on you to do a lot of the ha- – calls on your habits a lot that coaches want to see from a scheme perspective. I think it simplified uh, what they were trying to do and allowed them to kind of own the paint a little bit more. All right. Uh, As good as this game was, like for the Hawks and the, the comeback was good. I felt like they got some good fortune, like early in the fourth quarter, I think uh, Aaron Holiday got the Hawks' first basket. This, these were in the the minutes of peril because the Hawks had a reasonable size lead. Trey's out with the eye injury. Dejounte can't play forty eight minutes. God knows what he played forty three or something. He he played a lot of minutes, but at the you know for two minutes at the start of the fourth quarter, the Hawks had to tread water with no Trey and no Dejounte. Aaron Holiday, you know, runs a pick and roll, and I think he just kind of pulls up from seventeen and hits one. And then it got a little bit chunky, and I think about a minute later, the Hawks got a stop, and then just – it wasn't even a transition basket. They're just kind of coming down the floor, and DeAndre Hunter, you know, realizes when he gets 28 – like 25 feet from the basket, he's like, you know what, I don't think anybody's guarding me. And he just kind of runs to the (laughs) basket, and they get him a layup, and it's like, you know – the Hawks should thank the heavens for that kind of basket because they really needed it in that moment just to to bridge those two minutes. But, you know, thinking about these games, the, you know, the game with Milwaukee, the game with Toronto, tonight's game with New York, especially early on, like I'm still really concerned about the bench offense. Like it just, obviously there's still no bogey. That's a huge caveat. But even when bogey comes back, you know, somebody else could be hurt. It just doesn't seem like they have enough to make the offense work. And it it feels like 
players are in some roles that they really shouldn't be in. Like there's a whole lot of Aaron holiday handling the ball with DeJounte out there that just, I don't know, <laughs> not, not those fourth quarter minutes when he was the only guy out there, but, and it just, it just seems like they're, they're, they're pressed into trying to do more offense than what they should be, be doing. It feels like, I don't know, to me, it seems like there should be some more of Jalen trying to initiate the offense. Uh, Justin Holiday is is really kind of it feels like there are too many times when he is pulling up from 18 feet with like 14 seconds left on the shot clock and it's like that is you know it's not just me saying that's a bad shot I think according to the the tenets of Nate that's a bad shot because he's always talking about well we want to go early or we want to go late we want to get to our third and fourth options because that's when you know you're getting to a good shot and it's like you know dude on that play Justin's the second option it's not a high value shot he's pretty good at that shot but it's on this particular team and and you're going to look at, the, you know, if anybody looks at the numbers, you know, the Hawks are as much of a mid-range team as any team in the entire league. That's a shot that, that Trey should be taking and DeJounte should be taking. And it just does not seem like a shot that they need from Justin Holiday. Yeah, I mean, I agree. It's I, I wonder sometimes to myself, do I just need to give that group more time? Because it's, it's a whole new group, right? It's a completely new group. So, you know, might, might some of that come? I think the one thing that, that they can kind of hang their hat on, at least now, is that, and, and I know we're going to talk about this a little bit, but when DeJounte is on and Trey is off, DeJounte just, I mean, he is relentless. I mean, he, he just pushes the pace and attacks and attacks and attacks. And I just wonder if the rest of the guys there are going to, in time, kind of learn how to play off of DeJounte's attacking style a little bit more. You know, I recall in... The Milwaukee game, where I thought the Hawks played really well, you know, Justin had like two really good timely cuts. I think I think they were both in the third quarter that created some really important baskets for them to keep the Bucks from getting like ten points up to like fifteen or whatever it was. And to me, when Dejounte is being aggressive, I think it opens cutting lanes. You know, it, it opens a swing swing pass, not always that first pass, but that second pass to an open shooter. And like Jalen's been pretty solid as as the second guy catching that you know, that swing pass. So, it, it but you know Jalen has almost no experience. You know, and Aaron and Justin played together underneath, but you know, you know that was with uh, kind of a built around Victor Oladipo. I think most of the time that they were there and and such. So I I think the group deserves some more time. Um and and I think that what is likely to come as a general formula to work for the group is build everything off of DeJounte's attacking style, uh, crash the boards when he collapses two or three defenders, um, you know, let him and a Kongu uh, kind of get some rhythm uh, going there and Justin cutting. And then Aaron is Aaron's a, one of the better catch and shoot guys on the team. Yep. So there may, maybe times they need to put him in the corner instead of having him up out of the corner. And Justin's a little bit, Justin up high has the cutting lane. So there's some, there's some mechanics to work out there that I hope that some repetitions and some more time will, will kind of give them that that group will for sure be at their best when they're creating turnovers and creating fast, fast break points. But you have to be functional in the half court, as we all know. And I, I think, I think if the if the rest of the group could just get used to the kinds of opportunities that are created when Dejounte attacks, that they'll that'll that hopefully come along a little bit. Uh, what do you think? 
and this may the answer may be the same. Hey, more repetitions, but what do you think of uh, Dejounte's pick and roll passes to his big to this point? Yeah, I, I think his passes are good. I think he has great feel. I think he has a great feel for where the the, the passing lane, the, the passing angle. I I just personally think that, like for example, especially John and Clint, to a lesser degree, Anyeka are used to getting everything up high from Trey. Everything's high. Everything's up. Everything's up. Which is which has been a great formula. Um, but you know, Dejounte is longer than Trey, so he has other passing angles and and, and such that Trey often doesn't have. But I mean, if, if Trey does something for his teammates, I man, he really simplifies things for his teammates. And I think Dejounte has had you know, worked with a guy like uh, Pirtle who likes the ball low, you know, more than high because he's not a he, he's not a vertical center in the way that these Hawks bigs are, right? So I think I think there's some things to kind of kind of sort out there too. But I, I don't know that I've ever seen a single pass. There's, I mean, Clint's gotten like, I think two on his back hip, which I thought okay, that's not going to work, right? But apart from those two, um, you know, Dejounte's like leading them with the bounce pass, and, and the Hawks bigs are like. What is this? I've never been. I no. I don't get led with. You know, it's just brand new to them, and I don't know if part of this. I don't know if the solution just needs to be as simple as Hey, Dejounte, put everything up in the air, or if there needs to be some uh, room to kind of challenge the bigs to be prepared to receive the ball. You know, in a in a more than one uh, place. So I don't know what your thoughts are, but I, it's certainly for me mostly extends from the fact that Trey's for you know. Trey's been feeding the bigs up high and basically exclusively, and and Dejounte has different passing angles. Yeah, there was one tonight where it was a little bit later, like Dejounte probed a little bit further into the lane. It wasn't like just the standard pocket pass, but he went up high to Clinton. It was refreshing to see that. I I I think your point is good about Anyeka. Uh, you know, being the one who's probably more comfortable getting it down low. And I think JC and time will get to that. I don't think I want those passes going to Clint. And just overall, I think, you know, in the long run, the chemistry, you know, if, if you, if you're looking at the pairings, like Trey Clint is a very natural pairing. DeJounte Onyek is going to be a very natural pairing when you have to make that split. So that, that works out anyways, but I do want in those situations where he's going with Clint specifically, uh, you know, to to get the ball up high. Obviously, JC can go get it up high, but he's got amazing hands. I trust him getting the ball down low once he gets those yep. reps. Uh, yeah. But, you know, I, I'm worried about Clint. Like, I'm still worried about Clint's finishing, especially just early in games. I somehow, like, if you, for, for to me, like, in the second half, it's, like, less disruptive. But, you know, when it happens early, I just think it's a real momentum killer. Uh Either, you know, if he smokes a bunny at the rim or if he, you know, takes a foul and goes 0 for 2, 1 for 2, or, you know, maybe 0 for 2 and 1 for 2 in the same quarter. Like those, those are, uh, those are kind of tough to take. They're, they're kind of momentum killers. Like, and for everything that he adds on defense, um, uh, you know, this is, it's just kind of a, a crunch to the offense. I think it takes a lot of the juice out. Uh, you know, if, if, if he starts finishing better, that's going to unlock a lot for the Hawks, I think, especially early in games. Yeah, I agree. I, th- I think I'll give them a more steady start. Um, a couple things there. One is you also have the factor of when he's missing right at the rim and it creates a rebound instant. for the team. Instant, yep. It's transition. It's a four-point swing. 
right? Um, because you're the guy you want racing back to get in front of the rim is under the other rim, and and that's not going to work out. The other thing is that I th- I think some of his misses he's been he's really struggled to finish just in general. So I want to make sure I'm not sound like I'm kind of calling it a non problem. But the the other issue is that Trey and Dejounte's attack angles are different. Like Trey, when when you're not in the pick and roll, Trey wants his big behind the defense, and he wants to attack the middle, collapse, and have that simple lob that's there. Dejounte tends to attack from a wider angle, and and that usually creates where you want really the big kind of starting closer to the nail and then collapsing down behind the defense from the other side, and 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 I think that's a, a big big change as well. I think a lot of times some of his misses are DeJounte attacks from the side. He ends up basically under the backboard or pretty close to being under the backboard. It doesn't really have, you know, the the kind of space you'd want him to have uh, there. So, you know, I, I, again, I find myself asking myself the question, like, does this just need more time or repetitions and things like that? We know Nate's trying to line up as many minutes for Trey to have Clint on. And that, and I think that's smart. Um, but Clint, when Trey and DeJounte are both on, that that's where it ha- Clint's got to be more functional offensively uh, for me to kind of kind of make that work because they are both collectively so good at attacking the defense. But I I, I just think if for all the nuance Clint has as a screener and and you know up away from the basket, he it seems like he's lacking a little bit of nuance, especially when DeJounte has that different attack angle um, tendency than Trey does. That's fair. Uh, in, in looking at tonight's game, do you think the Hawks will play zone more just because DeJounte looks so comfortable in it? Like, <laughs> like you might, I mean, it's not just, hey, maybe this works well against the Knicks, but just like, hey, maybe this just really suits him well. I know the Knicks have a lot of left-handed players and that that whole right side that he was on just it's like why are you going there? No, that's like like throwing at the shutdown court. Go to the other side of the floor. He's going to take it from you. What are you doing? Like if you're a Knicks right. fan. Right. It's like he he just owned that that whole side of the floor. Like do you do you look at that and say uh sort of regardless of po- of, a, of the opponent or you know in in most situations except a special few do you do you want to see that kind of a look on both most nights i, I mean I, I and we all know nate is um i use the word stubborn you know uh, i think another person might say he has a strong conviction to you know the way he wants teams to operate so i guess i'll be a little surprised if they break out a lot what's interesting to me is that and i wonder if there's a connection here that nick nurse you know earlier in the week went to his zone when his couple of two of his key guys got in foul trouble. And a lot of NBA coaches do use the zone to manage through foul trouble. Right. And Deandre got back in foul trouble in, in, in the, in this game. And, and John, I think uh, was approaching some foul trouble at one point tonight too. And I, I was like, was he like, Oh, Hey, you know, I recall from Wednesday or sorry from Monday, you know, that, that this was a solution, you know, so it wasn't, I mean, I, I haven't listened to any post game like, but yeah, Nate then, said you know that they had a good day of practice with the zone yesterday. So okay. he, they very deliberately had this one queued up, I think, for this particular game. Yeah, and then I, and then I also wonder, like, was that a rebounding solution? Because the Knicks are just absolute monsters on the offensive glass. 
typically, generally speaking, it's harder to rebound a zone because you don't have a one-to-one kind of assignment. But in a matchup zone, again, that takes you back to that man principle, and it could that could have simplified their rebounding you know, situation too. So, yeah, I I, I I guess my answer is we'll have to see, which kind of is a not so fun answer. But um, you, you kinda, what, what would you do if you were the coach, Coach Glenn? I, I think it. I think it's a great solution. Uh, you know, in some cases, like to manage through some of Trey's limitations on defense, um, to stabilize the defense when the other team's kind of getting into the paint a lot. In the that, I think, I mean, they. I mean, you have to say the Hawks look comfortable tonight. You know, kind of in that. So, and my, as a coach, my tendency is if my team looks comfortable with something, I'm going to have a little bit of a tendency to give them the opportunity to work with it. That, you know. Will Nate do that? We'll have to, you know, we'll have to see. Um, I mean, I had shared when he hired Mike Longobardi that, you know, he's a defensive specialist. And is is Nate going to let him kind of be a little bit of a defensive coordinator type in the way that some of the coaches do? And was this Mike Longobardi kind of having an imprint on this? I wonder how much of that practice he ran, you know, around that because he typically is kind of a, a guy that organizes the defense and stuff. So, you know, I, I feel like one of the um, deficiencies potentially the last few years was, you know, um, when they lost Melvin Hunt and they lost Chris Jett, you know, I, I thought those were two guys who um, brought a lot to uh, kind of real time, kind of helping with decision making. And I thought Lloyd Pierce really empowered Melvin Hunt a ton, you know, in, during that time. And I thought last year, just a lot of turnover in the coaching staff. Uh, I thought it was a, a big adjustment kind of season for them. I don't want to call any of those bad assistant coaches. It's everybody has different things that they bring, but I wonder if they, there's a little bit more of a mix. And I, 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 I feel like last year we wouldn't have seen this kind of what feels like an aggressive adjustment in the middle of the game. And I wonder if the kind of the assistant coaching staff mix and Longobardi's presence and specifically brought that forward. And if he was assertive and said, why don't we kind of get into this or why don't we prepare ourselves to kind of go to this? So I, I'm always fascinated to kind of see how even things like a, a shakeup and a, a different mix of assistant coaches kind of impacts the way games are managed. And it, it felt, it felt different to me than anything we saw at any point last season. And I wonder if it kind of, at least to some degree extends from that potentially. I'm curious about that. Fair enough. Uh, what have I failed to ask you about? Is there anything left? I mean, I, I feel like if, I mean, I felt like Aaron Holiday was really a big factor in this game. You know, when, like, when Trey I, went out. He's a good you know? shooter. Like, I mean, I. When, and when he's, I, he's disruptive on defense, too. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So, I, I, so I, I mean, that, I mean, and, and we have to mention the chase down block. I know we topping was just, <laughs> I mean, yeah. I, 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 I saw him trailing the play and I thought, what is he going to do? And then he did that, and I was like, "Wow!" I mean, he's he's a serious athlete, you know. He, yeah, he is he's not a, he is not tall, uh, and he but he is aggressive. He is like confident, and maybe there's something to having two older brothers, you know, in the league before you ever get there. And we know those guys, you know, are connected to LA, and he's probably been in runs with NBA players since he was 14, right? And, and that that's a factor there, too. But, but I mean, the pre- his, the presence he had in this game, I, I think, just was massive tonight. And he was kind of in the, a bit of an extension of DeJounte, some of the things that DeJounte was doing to really create havoc and bring some um, 
you know, some composure and then some swagger kind of back to his team that Aaron kind of was an extension of that. And I thought that that worked really well. And hopefully, as we know, those guys, you know, a a good number of Aaron's minutes will come with DeJounte on the court. And hopefully those guys can can, kind of continue uh, to be that way. Um, You know, two, two off days, which must feel really good to the team to get a couple off days here to prepare for, the Pelicans, a team that you and I are both were both high on entering the season. So, the Saturday game will be a, a, a real challenge. Uh, Jonas Valanciunas is a nightmare for it. I mean, he has wonderful games for some of the Hawks. We talk about CJ McCollum; he's really skilled. A lot of defensive talent on that on the on that team and stuff. So it's a, you know it kind of feels like the defensive aggressiveness we saw the last two and a half quarters tonight. The Pelicans bring that like forty eight hours. 48 uh, minutes every single game. So it's going to be interesting to see the Hawks kind of, they can come out and, and have a, a stronger, a stronger start. Um, and kind of go from there, but it, it's kind of funny because I think back to Milwaukee, they got to the first four minutes with a really strong start. And then sometimes it looks like they get a little, they're like, okay, this is, this is coming a little bit easy tonight. So we're good. It's like, you know, this is the Bucks. <laughs> you, know, you can't, you're up 11 to four. You can't, even take it down 1% or 2%, you know. Uh, but I think the Pelicans game is going to be a, one more really, really good test because of the way that they play with defensive intensity the whole game and throw just so much um, uh, unique, different kind of players. Like Zion is like nobody else in the league. In a way, you know, Brandon Ingram is like nobody else in the league. I, I can't remember if he's playing again. Yeah, I don't know if he's playing. But yeah, yeah. yeah he's Yeah. yeah but, but even still, it's it's – that, that that group is something. So Saturday should be a good game. I'm, I'm for the Hawks. I'm glad they have two days off to kind of get prepared prepared for that. And it'd be nice. I know it'd be nice to kind of come off of this win. That's really encouraging to see you kind of stabilize your performance and be the aggressor the rest of the way, and and turn a you know, 23 point deficit into a runaway kind of win, and to build on that. Like oh, every coach, every player wants that. They want to they want to build on that, and that's something I, I know Hawks fans would love to see. I know the Hawks would. Would love to make this a performance that can kind of build a, a week or two of play on this type of confidence and everything. So I, you know, look look forward to that that game already, even while still kind of enjoying uh, having watched this one. It was a it was a fun one to watch. Yeah, it's. Uh, I, I'm super high on the Pelicans. I the West is so wide open that when I just had to pencil in a name I'm, for who's going to be in the finals from the West, I I put the Pelicans. Like I just. I think they're the team with the fewest flaws, which, you know, it's, it's always hard to, to, to pick a new name, a team that really hasn't yep. been that far in the playoffs in recent years, but I just, they, they have, they have a lot of solutions when they need them, I think, but. Uh, they do. And, and Willie Green's, a, I mean, he's, he is a good, I mean, the way he managed his first real postseason, you know, I mean, uh, was just astonishing. Um, and so that, you know, so that they have a, they have a bright future for sure. And they have, you know, good draft capital still, you know, to work with, um, uh, every time they beat the Lakers, for example, they're helping themselves, <laughs> you know? Um, so that, that, it'll be, it'll be good, but, uh, yeah, that should be, that should be one of the more fun games on the season, I think. And it's a Saturday night. Um, and, and hopefully that'll be a full house and, uh, uh, a, a great game. I'm expecting a good one. Yep, and I'll have to keep an eye on the the injury front. Good, good news and or bad. Like Trey returned to this game, so it seems like 
you know, he's probably on track to play on Saturday, but I guess officially it was a scratch of the eye and not just of the eyelid. So, you know, maybe that that's a wait and see there. And, you know, Travis said on the broadcast that the bogey is going to be reintegrated into practices once they return from the trip. So I'm imagining tomorrow is a day off, but starting, uh, losing track of Daisy or Friday, I think, you know, he's going to be at least in some part of the practices. Yeah, well, that's encouraging. They, 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 and the one thing they're missing when the offense isn't working is spacing and shooting, you know, and so that presence will be great. Who knows if he's, you know, two weeks away or some other right, longer, sure. or, you know, who knows for sure, but it'll be, it'll be welcome. Um, and, and I, I continue to think that while they kind of play without him, that having some, some consistent defensive execution, which we saw for two and a half quarters tonight at a high, at a really high level is what is going to kind of buy them some time to kind of get in back and let bogey kind of give them a little more ball handling, a little more creation, a lot more shooting. Um, so hopefully the, the rest of the team will stay, stay healthy. Hopefully Trey doesn't wake up in the morning and have any kind of issues with the vision, which can happen with a, yeah. a thing like this. Yeah. Um, so I, I, I think if, if we could get a, a fully healthy Hawks versus fully healthy Pelicans, that it, I mean, it just doesn't get much better than that for me. Yep. Agreed. All right. Well, thank you for taking the time and have a good night and hope to do it again soon. Thanks, Kevin.